Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hey folks, Dave Fensom here. Welcome to season four of Pop Collaborating. Listen, season four, can you fucking believe it? We're actually at season four. We've listened to uh, three full years worth of mostly terrible albums. That's not true, they're not all mostly terrible. Uh, but yeah, we're here. Um, and what treats have we got installed for you this year? Well, we're starting off straight away with this episode. This is about Little Angel's album, Jam. Uh, yeah, who'd have thunk it? Little Angel's had a number one album. Some of you are thinking, who the hell are Little Angel's? The rest of you are going, how did they do it? How did they do it? I I mean, find out here. Find out in this episode exactly how they did it uh, and why they did it and whether we thought it was any good or not. Um, yeah. So what's been going on, man? Um, I mean, you know, not a lot, really. Lots of life admin. Uh, Chris is getting ready to start his pub up again. Um, hopefully, I'm going to have some uh, more comedy stuff to promo in the not-too-distant future. But for now, uh, I think I'm going to keep this quite short. Get stuck into the episode. Enjoy Little Angels. Uh, I'm trying not to say anything, so don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, and we will be back, hopefully, in two weeks with E17. Yeah, that's right, E17. <laughs> Yes, yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. This is the start of season four. As always, I am joined by my life partner, Mr. Chris DeGreer. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Season four, 1993. In 1993, I turned 18 at the start of the year. And so I was, uh-huh. uh, you know, doing A-levels, but I was just, you know, going out to as many clubs and seeing as many gigs in Belfast as I could absolutely buying all the music I could and listening to everything. So I was really into it at this point, more than, you know, whenever we first started in 1990. This is, you know, this is peak music nerddom for me, I guess. Yeah, I'm 17 at this point. I'm six from college. I'm surrounded by people. I'm kind of just in the midst of all these people introducing me to loads of stuff I haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. I'm buying music with every spare penny that I've got uh, and going out to indie clubs yeah. and getting to as many gigs as I possibly can. Yeah, loving life, basically, at this moment in time. And it, literally everything revolves around music. Well, totally. And we say this about so many of the years of the 90s that we're talking about, but the amount of good music coming out at this point in 1993 is astonishing. You know, the amount of different genres that are out there. Oh, it really is. And, uh, you know, new releases every week that you're getting excited about. And, one, you know, so many of them mm-hmm. stand up 30 years later and we're still talked about as classics of their time, all that sort of stuff. There's so much coming through. This is a real, you know, a fecund time for, for music in general. You know, and it's easy to kind of, you know, this, is, this was our era... Obviously, we're going to have some rose-tinted glasses around some of this. Yeah. But, you know, these records, a lot of the, you know, the records from around that time, the genres, um, 
you know the, the 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 stuff that's really popular now really has its roots in things that were starting around this time. You know? Totally. Oh yeah, it was a real it was a melting pot for a lot of stuff, and so many good things came out of it, which makes what we're about to get into all the stranger. Certainly, yeah. So this week our episode is this is on the first number one of nineteen ninety three, and as everyone told you, Nirvana completely got rid of uh, <laughs> hair metal and cock rock in nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two. Uh, so here completely disproving that theory is little angels jam yeah man little angels is the first number one album of the year uh and it it's not the first it wasn't week one of 1993 so it didn't get to number one until the 31st of january 93 um we had had Cher's greatest hits was number one for weeks and weeks and weeks Mm -hmm. over christmas and then genesis released the way we walk volume two colon the longs that was number one for two weeks before this, but that's the greatest hit sort of thing, and therefore we ignore it. Mm-hmm. This is the first new number one album of the year. And yeah, it's it's a band that you'd go, oh right, A, they had a number one album, and B, they were still a band in 93. This is one of those releases though, isn't it? It's, it's a band that have got a dedicated fan base. Sure. A, a fan base who are going to be motivated to buy record on first day of release indeed and it's an incredibly fallow period for releases you know nothing big ever gets released in january yeah we've seen this you know every season we do the first one is always oh really that you know you never come in with Mm -hmm. a bang you come in with a bit of a whimper i think you're forgetting phil collins in 1990 that is fair that is entirely fair all right i was thinking more about wet 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 um it was only number one for one week as well, which completely st- uh, like abides your theory of week one, everyone buys it, and then it goes away. I cannot uh, find clarification on this fact that I read, but um, apparently, it's a fact, on their All Music page, this album holds the record for the lowest amount of weeks spent in the top 100 by a number one album. Um it was only in the top 100 for five weeks. Well, if that's not if that's not true, let's pretend it is. So there you go. Week one, loads of uh, people in denim going out and buying this, and then it doesn't do much else. That's where we're at. You know, let, let, let's not do down the, uh, the the fact that they managed to get a number one album where many many of their peers didn't. That's very true. But obviously, 1993, the Little Angels. Was this a release you were excited for? Never heard of them at that point. I don't. Well, I might have read the name somewhere, but if I did, they were entirely enough in the subcategory of the genre that I didn't want to bother with. I was able to entirely ignore them in general and this album particularly. I had no clue what was happening with Little Angels or who they were. What about you? Well, see, this is the interesting thing. This is where, from 1991, where I was... An enormous Guns N' Roses fan. Indeed. In that kind of genre of music. In this time that's now kind of got to here, I'd I'd had enough time to get snobby. Okay, right, sure. So, you know, there there were these people that wore biker jackets and did the kind of the the classic uh, pose mosh and Mm -hmm. bit of a boogie, dance to the extreme records, dance to this type of thing. Sure. And I was so absolutely convinced that the stuff that I was listening to was so much more progressive, so far ahead of the pack, that this stuff just sounded like bullshit to me. Fair enough. It sounded like old hat. Well, yeah, that makes entire sense, because they were from a genre that was big seven years previous to to this. Sure. And the sound hadn't particularly moved on, 
uh, or their sound hadn't moved on, but the world had, I guess. I mean, if you look at their yeah. career, they formed in 1984, right? So they're, you know, that's when they very, mm-hmm. very first formed in Scarborough. They were initially called Zeus and then Mr. Thrud, which is a shockingly bad name for a band, Mr. Thrud. Um, I think it's better than the Little Angels. <laughs> eh, debatable, I reckon. Um, they, they released their first album in 1987, which was called Too Posh to Mosh. Or, uh, sorry, that was a mini album. And then this is their third full album. So they have had a career for sure. And, you know, in the in the time that they were together, they supported bands like Van Halen and Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. So, they, you know, they were well enough known, I guess, on that scene. But that mm-hmm. scene was entirely unknown to me. However, I know that you, you know, you we've said before that you uh, first record that you really got into was a Bon Jovi album in the 80s. You sure. were a Guns N' Roses fan. So, and you were probably reading Kerrang! and Metal Hammer at the time, and this band yes, would have was. been all over them. So you would definitely have seen the name, but you had moved across to a different type of shit. I definitely had an irrational hatred of this band at the time. Did you? Oh, right. Um, you knew them and actively disliked them. It probably wasn't fair. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know me, man, I, I, I love myself a bit of the kind of the, the classic heavy metal rock, you know, uh, late 80s, very early 90s sound. I love, you mm-hmm. know, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction is one of my favourite albums of all time. Of course it is, yep. You know. I can fuck with a bit of Motley Crue, you know. Yep. I, you know, you can put me in an evening where all you play is the classics of that genre, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, you'll have a lovely, lovely time. night at a club. I'll have a brilliant time. I'll be rocking out. I don't know what it was about this band, and there was other bands around like Skin and yeah, this this kind of Gumby Brit rock. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It just felt. It always felt insincere to me. It always felt. Suedo American, yeah, it's like a pastiche uh, of bands they wanted to be. It just felt, I don't know. I'm trying to separate me being a 17 year old dick mm-hmm. from the facts. Yeah, I mean, I was probably being a hypocrite because I liked some of this. You know, I like stuff. I can't go. I don't like anything about this. This kind of cheesy rock kind of turns because I make exceptions for it. You know, I, yeah. I think you know. You know, rock and roll isn't supposed to be completely taken seriously. It's supposed to be, you know, kind of cheesy fun and a big fucking riff and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But for whatever reason, this band was, it never kind of hit that box of, you know, because that's the other thing about rock and roll. You either got a, you either think it's cool or you don't. And if you don't think right. it's cool, then it's fucked from the outset. No, you're absolutely right, but there's also kind of so many different sub-genres under that main topping of rock and roll. Uh, so that you can like one and think the next one over is absolute bullshit. It's gonna. It's such a a snobby and elitist place at times that even if you like Guns and Roses and Bon Jovi, you don't like Thunder and Skin. You know, it's it's because yeah. the, 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 there is such a difference, and people will tell you the difference in minute detail. Of course, it's tough sometimes to get on with it. And you know, uh, you know, at this time, you know, you know, Bon Jovi are releasing an album. I'm not buying it. I'm, we fucking talked yeah, about it. Absolutely. You know, I'm so in the middle of. Primus and Mr. Bungle and Faith No More and Helmet and all of yeah. these bands that this just is not where I'm looking. But at the same time, going back to this, this, I do go, 
I've got a soft spot for a good rock tune. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping this album, you know, maybe I was just a dick about it for all the wrong reasons. Yep. Maybe this album's full of kind of undiscovered classics that I'll really enjoy. And a bit of, bit of fun. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how enthused were you going into this? Right. Well, I, I will be honest with you. I've, I was I'm fighting my prejudices all the way okay, on this fine. one. Okay, yeah. Because, you know, I always try and go into these things with an open, you know, open mind. Um, And I don't want to just write stuff off because, you know, that would make the whole exercise pointless. Yeah. But, you know, certainly with some trepidation. Fine. Okay. I was going in thinking I probably am not going to enjoy a lot of this because it wasn't my thing at the time. I've never particularly been into this very narrow style of thing. So Mm -hmm. I suspect I'm not going to be up for it. But... Again, I was kind of hopeful that there would be a one or two that would be like, actually, fuck it, this is a good tune, you know? So I, I, I was, I'd say, a, a three or a four on that scale for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a three, I would say. Okay. All right, well, let's look at the album cover like we always do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the album's called Jam. Yes, and there's a very literal interpretation. It's some jam. There's some wasps in the jam. Yeah, no, that is it. It's the cover of uh, Red Jam, close up, with some wasps on it. And that's it. Everyone's favourite insect cunt. I know, my God. But yeah, there's there's nothing else to say about that. I guess it's the easy option if you've got an album that you're going to call Jam. And let's say, you know, if you're going to call your album Jam, obviously you're doing mm-hmm. it because you think, oh, well, you know, we're a band who just loves to jam and we get some tunes and we boogie and that sort of stuff. It's a wanker's term, is the thing. Yep. You know, it's, it's Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that is part of all, all of the... Uh, the language that goes around this kind of rock kind of makes my shit itch. Boogie right. <laughs> makes my shit itch. <laughs> right. Jam. Uh, you know, that, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> fucking, you know, lick. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's a good lick, man. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it from sometimes, but it just depends the context and the way it's said, you know? But, oh, yeah. I mean, f- anyway. Okay, yeah, we, we can get into all of that throughout, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, in terms of the cover, don't care Shit. at all. I think it's it's the easiest option they could have done. I just think if you're going to make me listen to a record in this style, mm-hmm. at least have the courage of your convictions and give me a girl in a low cut top. <laughs> yeah, fair play. <laughs> I say with that's the way forward. Some degree for of irony, I would say. But anyway, right. Okay, so the first track on this one is called "Way That I Live." Yeah. Okay, let's do this one. All right, so, opening riff. This sounds exactly like I thought it would. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wait. Yes, it does. Sub-ACDC. It is all of it. It's ACDC. It is a bit Bon Jovi. You know, it's all of those things. It's a bit Black Crows. Yeah, it, big blues rock with horns. Yeah, that's, that's horns I wasn't expecting. The horns was a surprise to me. No, no, they were quite me. famous for the horns. Right. No, no, they were famous for the horns. Right, well, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting... There you go, there's this big horn riff in the middle of it. Strange, stood out to me. And again, you know, I, I like I, I like second album Guns N' Roses, which is full of horns. Okay, all right. Uh, but, I mean, so here we are. Lyrically, we're on some very safe ground. He's a rebel, he's got long hair. Yeah. He's not going to amount to anything. <laughs> he doesn't need a suit or tie. 
like, fuck me, really? This, we're still doing this? Yeah, no, this it point. is. It's absolute cliche central, this one. It's it's every single thing that you think about. You go, I'm going to write a song about being in a rock and roll band. Ah, oh, there you go. It's it's this and that A, B and C. And, it's, and it doesn't... It doesn't translate to 2020. I'm like, mate, my fucking doctor's got a neck tattoo, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I do not care for the vocal. And that's... Okay. That's going to be that's gonna be a problem. Well, no, that, that is definitely it's... a problem. I don't mind the vocal. I think... I think... I mean, it's, it's not to my taste, but I think it is exactly what this uh, sound and this music does. See, but I, 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 I disagree on that. I think it's a very semantic point, mm. but there has to be a... There has to be an edge to the vocal, otherwise the rest of it doesn't work. Oh, no, but I, know, don't, like I don't know, because I don't think this is edgy music whatsoever. I don't think it needs that. No, but, no, you, you, no you do need something. You need you need, so, you need some personality, like Axl Rose, Steven Tyler, mm-hmm. you know, even Vince Neil in his day. They had a... There was something in the, in the voice that kind of set it apart from the rest of the field. Okay. And this sounds as generic as it can be. Oh, absolutely, I agree. It's, it's generic. It sounds like someone's, you know, Weird Al is doing a Brian Adams song from 1987. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, like giving it credit where it where it's due. Mm-hmm. There's some some you know decent guitar playing in it. There's the, you know the does solo seem to be. is does seem to be good. Um, there's you know the the outro is musically quite fun yeah yeah I, mean, I, I think i think there's there's a guitar solo uh, at about four minutes in and this is like a five minute song so towards the end it's, mm-hmm. it's a good guitar solo. it's a lot of fun it's uh you know mm-hmm. again exactly what i would expect but it's well done it's well executed and it works really well for the song i think sure you, i mean you couldn't be in this type of band without an excellent lead guitar player of course yeah that that's you know default position you have to have yeah. yeah, but the the problem is when you put all of the components together, mm-hmm. what you end up with is just something very generic and incredibly naff. I mean, naff is just the word that it screams. <laughs> that, that, is a, that does. It's a, a pithy way of descri- describing it. You know, so I, I can't I can't go with shit because it's not shit. It's just naff. It's oh, just yeah. oh, oh, I totally. And you know, cliche wise, it's got. I, I actually really enjoy a song that shouts guitar before a guitar solo, and this song yeah. does it. It's really silly. It's very daft, and I can understand why some, uh, you know, some Gumby rocker in 1993 is gonna think this is brilliant because it's exactly what that person wants. Um, it works, you know, all the way through that, but it is cliche central, like I say, and it's there's nothing unexpected whatsoever going on, but. I do kind of like this one. I think this is good fun. I think this is a good, fun rock and roll song. Having never heard it before, I'm not expecting anything. I was pleasantly surprised by this one. Oh, I thought it was rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> rubbish! Uh, just a bit of background you're saying like about the, the guitarist. Um, and the, you know, the people they've got in there. So the singer is a guy called Toby Jepsum. Um, mm-hmm. And he, after this band broke up in 94... He got, had a solo career uh, under the name Toby and the Whole Truth, which I don't remember. I think I've actually met Toby Jepsum a couple of times. Oh, okay. 
what at festival sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I right. I I know people that know Toby Jepsen. So right. Okay. I know I know a lot of people that are kind of more closely related to this scene than. Oh sure. Than, uh, yeah, sure. If they listen to this episode, they'll probably be very angry with me thinking about it. Well, whenever they see him, can they ask him? Because my question is, he called him, uh, his band Toby and the Whole Truth. Why didn't he call it Toby or Not Toby? Because that would have been the name I'd have oh, gone for. That would have been better. So tell, tell someone to ask him that. Well, why didn't he call it Toby's Jugs? Yeah. <laughs> that, that would work for me as well. Yes. Um, we so he also, he came back in like 2002 with another solo venture, which pretty much went nowhere. But then from 2008 to 2010, he was lead singer for Gun, which yep. makes entire sense. Of know. course it does. Yeah. Um, the guitarist and the guy on keyboard were brothers, uh, Bruce Dickinson, not that one, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Dickinson. So they were in the band, and a guy called Mark Richardson on uh, drums. They all went on to form a band called Blow, which was spelled all lowercase B dot L dot. Yeah, O dot. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, remember that, that album coming out in Kerrang! Yeah. Right, I kind of remember that name, uh, but it wasn't a big success. Uh, Mark Richardson went on to become the drummer for Skunk and Nancy, and that, until they broke up, and then he was the drummer for Feeder. So he's been through a lot of these kind of Brit rock bands. He went back to sure. play with Skunk and Nancy in 2008 when they reformed. Um, Bruce Dickinson, not that one, uh, he went into music teaching. He, mm-hmm. he set up BIM. In, he certainly did. In Brighton with uh, a guy called Kevin Nixon, who was Little Angel's manager. So that's his, he's, you know, obviously moved on in the, the music world. He's doing that now. And Jimmy Dickinson, the brother who was the keyboard player, he went on to form the band The Younger Younger 28s. Do you remember them? No, I don't. End of the 90s, kind of a really weird indie band on Virgin or V2. Sounded a bit like a cross between Shampoo and Bis. Uh, two... That sounds awful. Oh, it was terrible. It, they had a, 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 one song... The single, the first single was called We're Going Out, and it sounds like a couple of Essex girls go, we're going out, we're going out, with some keyboard shit behind it. It was not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the attempt at sort of the indie thing. They, they would say they wanted to sound like the Human League. I say they sounded like Shampoo. Um, yeah. But they were they were promptly dropped. And the guy on bass, Mark Bl- uh, Plunkett, went into band management, and he managed Boyzone and Ronan Keating. I mean, Plunkett is literally the best name for a bass player. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed it is. Yeah. Uh, that is what they do. Yeah. Plunkett, boy. Plunkett. Plunkett, mate. That's, that's what you shout whenever it's the time for the bass solo. Plunkett, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> when it's time for the bass uh, solo. When is it ever time for the bass solo? No, you have not listened to enough Tool records. No, that's friend. all very true. But, so you, you gave that a pass. I absolutely did. Good. I thought that was, that, that was fun ticked all the boxes that it was supposed to tick uh, but I thought it was decent enough and I think it's a good opening track as well I think you're losing your fucking mind <laughs> so let's try track two uh, this one is called Too Much Too Young okay so far so Def Leppard oh it is isn't it yeah and this was the first single off this album out in November 92 Mm-hmm. So yeah, this was the the main introduction for all the fans to this new album. Uh, that, I don't like the tie-yai-yai bit. No, don't like that. This 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 kind of like 
kind of st like stompy staccato thing that he's doing that's quite that was quite common at the time wasn't it yes I, I, Bit of like I, I remember like cherry that. pie or something like that sure and now this chorus is just footloose <laughs> sort of slower down yeah footloose footloose <laughs> ah, I haven't picked that up but that's nice and again this lyrically it's all about live life to the full you know do things your own way don't listen to people who are telling you to grow up and be sensible yeah don't listen to anyone that suggests you open a music school god absolutely I mean one of these one of these things he says he doesn't want a three piece suite oh, fucking <laughs> like how are you going to be comfortable <laughs> he says he's happy well, to sleep on people's kitchen floors well I mean that's stupid yeah well, you know, this is the, the arrogance of youth, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, again, look, this song has got a lot of the same elements. There's a lot of songs that I really like, and I just don't like it. Okay. It just feels like a fucking... I, I don't know, man. It, it feels like when you buy that fucking Louis Vuitton bag from the, like, Luton-covered market. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, right. It's, it's a knockoff. It feels like a knockoff. It does. Absolutely does. Um, this, I don't enjoy as much as the first one. But I absolutely, I get the kind of the stomp thing. I bet you this was huge at their live gigs. Obviously, this is a big single. Um, I can see that this would be a bit of fun as well. I don't think this is terrible, and I get the appeal of it. I don't like it as much as the first one. I see, I, I, again, like, I, I, I don't know, I just, I'm asking myself if I'm just being too much of a dick about this record, but... Mm -hmm. I have tried and I just fair play I, I just didn't like it I just did not like it I think there's some wasted opportunities on this I think that they could have gone bigger on a better guitar solo at some point that which you know I'm sure would have appealed to their fans this single has got Brian Adams on backing vocals and I can't hear him at all you know why would you have Brian Adams on backing vocals and not make it audible in your song that seems very strange I mean, you're a racist against Canadians. Well, you know, that's the, they're the one that you're allowed to be. I think that's all right. Second best song I've heard called Too Much Too Young, I would say. That's the best thing I can say about it. The other it. thing that I, I've got my note about this, why? Right, you, you're writing song, you've got a clean slate. Why would you name it the same as um, a song that is infinitely much more uh, famous and, let's say, ostensibly better in every way? Why would you go, yeah, yeah we're going we're gonna to be that as well? You, you could call it anything you want. Sure. I don't understand that one. I don't know. Anyway, Le okay, that, that, that seems laziness to me. Um, this is full of cliches again. I've, you know, I've made a note. I reckon we should have just done a cliche drinking game while going through this. And I haven't got that much booze. I, I would have been vomiting all down my cut-off sleeveless T-shirt. <laughs> Fine, I really would have done. Um, and this is obviously this was the first single. I watched the video for this because there is a video for it. And it's one of those ones, it's kind of, it starts off black and white. They're in the studio. Um, they're playing, you know, looking at each other, laughing, smiling, looking and going, oh my God, can you believe how great this is? We're recording a song. Yeah. Um, and they have all got far too much hair and they're wearing mm -hmm. cut off sleeveless t-shirts and, you know, terrible denim and loads of, of you know, bracelets and wooden necklaces, that sort of shit. And then it goes into them being filmed, uh, playing around the streets of London, you know, in kind of Tottenham Court Road, this sort of shit, just on a traffic island with people going, oh, what's happening here? And him busking yeah. on a bridge. It's pretty cringy. 
at any point is there just like a casual shot of them like maybe kicking a football or something like that? It's got that feel about it, yeah. And it's you know them yeah. just kicking back, uh, watching telly after a hard day recording, playing with a mixing board, that sort of shit. It's, it's mm-hmm. just what you think. But it also it doesn't have Brad Adams in it. What the hell, mate? At least. You know, put a cardboard cutout or something to try and boost your sales. Yeah, fuck it. No. no. This, I think, is okay, but I think this is a bit overly cheesy. And, again, the amount of horns in this is crazy. I mean, you know, we we do like a saxophone. We're we're on record as liking a saxophone. Straight up, absolutely. It just sounds very strange in the middle of this. Anyway, let's spend no more time with this. Let's do track three. Yep. This one is called Splendid Isolation. Okay. It's like, oh, this, this, this intro seems in some way familiar to me. All right. What are you picking up from it? I don't know. Have you, have you ever heard a song by Aerosmith called Sweet Emotion? <laughs> you know, I think I have. I mean, I think these guys might have heard it as well and just right. decided to rip it off wholesale for their fucking song. Well, it's an interesting change of pace, for at least. Mm-hmm. Sort of, and then this is a slow song about needing your own space, possibly. Yeah, I but guess so. I, I, but it's a, it's going for more of a I don't feel like a belong vibe rather than I enjoy being by myself. The isolation is not yeah. a good thing, but mm-hmm. the the lyrics in this are so flowery and overly convoluted I mean there, there, there are some absolutely dog shit lyrics virginical construction I know what, I what know. does that mean but, but I mean, I'll, I'll be straight up I enjoy this one infinitely more than both of the other two oh wow feels, okay because first of all it's not that kind of cock rock by numbers yeah it feels like it's got some personality and you know I took the piss out of it for sounding like Aerosmith but it doesn't immediately sound like someone else this song right okay um, and it's just got a, I think it's got quite a nice feel to it like the vocal sits quite nicely on it and uh, the little kind of escalation around the, the choruses well, yeah I mean, it doesn't need to be six minutes long I'm not going to fucking lie oh no it definitely doesn't uh, especially the last bit of that is just guitar noodling as well exactly but I like, like the way those guitars come in I like, okay yeah I like this vocal here Really? Okay, so you're better with this style of Little Angels than the first couple. Yeah, right. I think this is much better than the first two. Oh, interesting. See, I wasn't into this. Uh, See, I I think this sounds like a a decent rock song. It sounds like they've got something to say here. Okay. I I think the lyrics are bad, don't get me wrong. Oh, mate, the lyrics. I think it's overlong and bloated. Uh, Not a perfect song, but the best one I've heard so far. A couple of lyrics I picked out. Um... The motherless itch has got the best of me, transcending the things that I will never be. But all along, hallucinating life somehow, I still don't know what I'm going to do now. It's real kind of hippie nonsense. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe he's sat in his room tripping. Maybe that's what he does. He sits on his own and yeah. he trips out. Yeah. Maybe that's his thing. I mean, I'd live without these kind of discordant piano bits. Right. Um... It, it, I think you're right. It's, it's a different feel to it. It's, it's a bit more slightly experimental. Um, it's very downbeat. It's more space going on. It's, it's a wider yeah. vista of a song. Um, 
I mean, you, you said Aerosmith, and now I, I definitely see that. I had almost thought, I wondered if they'd heard some of the more mellow Alice in Chains tunes and gone, oh, we can do that. But them being Little oh, Angels, maybe. this is their kind of version of it. Um, interestingly, this is the first song on the album that is credited solely to Toby Jepsum as, as writer. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if, the, if if he wanted to try and experiment and do this sort of thing, um, if that's the direction he wanted to go with the band, perhaps. Who knows? I, I like this one. Okay. All right. I, I, I that's what I got. Don't that's particularly what I got see it. Um, I think, obviously, you know, you get a, an album like this, there's always going to be a slow song. There's going to be a ballad. There's going to be something else. This is the mm-hmm. first one that we see of these. And fair play to them for giving it a go and wanting to try new things and do something a little bit different. It's not just every rose has its thorn. You know, it's it's not just that straight down the line. Bon Jovi always doesn't do much for me. I, I'm hearing it again now, and it's you know, yeah, and I, I like it more. I, I, yeah, I, I do, I do like this one. I, I've highlighted my issues with it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I I like that one more than I dislike it, which is okay. Uh, Certainly not something I can say for the first two. Even the lyric, Lenin is a memory in a student brain, gripping thought pavilions, guilt in freedom's chains. The virginical construction makes the masses wow, and I don't know what I'm going to do now. Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, that's some tosh. I mean, I've got to say, on balance, for the three years worth of uh, albums we've covered so far, Uh Toby is... In the running for worst lyricists. Yeah, there's some absolute shit going on. <laughs> I think it's more the fact that it's so kind of po-faced and he thinks it's probably profound. That's my issue, you know. This is what it is. It, it, it sounds like someone overreaching, using, you know, words that, you know, kind of they wouldn't use in their real life and write in, in, in what they feel is an intellectual way. Exactly, that's the thing. Actually, can, yeah, that's, that's it. it. It sounds like a... A little kid in a suit, basically. That's what it sounds like yep. to me. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Okay. Don't do so next one. We are. Okay. Track four is called Soapbox. Okay. So we've got an acoustic number. Yes. Yes. Again, it's not a slower one. We've got that little <laughs> bit of a Hammond organ. Well, who does he fucking sound like there? I can't think of anyone specific. No, I don't know. I don't know who you're thinking of. Turn that organ up. Oh, it's chorus. This is terrible. This is an awful, awful chorus. It's so catchy, but not in a good way. (laughs) I think this this reminds me of, right... This reminds me of the fucking... What's that shit band that I hate? Oh, what they called them? Um, um, fucking hell, everyone loved them in the 90s. Oh, fuck. What was that? Vanilla. What were they called? No, 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 no. <laughs> Boring indie band. What the fuck were they called? Oasis. Um, no. Did um, uh, Handbags and Glad Race. What were they called? Oh, Stereophonics. Called? Um, yeah, fucking Stereophonics. Ah. This, sounds like a, this sounds like a rocked up Stereophonics song. Oh, this sounds like a less rock stereophonic song to me. This sounds like stereophonics, well, but but neutered to, to uh, infinity. Yeah, I, was, I mean, again, look, so many of the my issues are with the voice in this. Yeah. I mean, it just feels inauthentic. It sounds like a song 
being put together going right these are the rules of the genre I will, we'll just do something like that we'll <laughs> right like, no one's bringing anything new to the table it's like okay the, these are the things we need to do so I'll, I'll bring those along and we'll yeah. put them together like a fucking airfix kit man yeah but, this feels and fake and false somebody went oh and tell you what let's put a harmonica in as well yeah yeah exactly it's like no man it's like come on man you're from fucking Scarborough bruv and I don't understand what they're trying to say in this I, I one. Can't, I can't even hear... I'm turning it off. I can't, I can't listen to that one anymore. That one's fucking awful. I don't understand really what this is about. It's called Soapbox, right? So you'd assume it's a, a rant or something like that. But is it about a specific ex of his who kept nagging him um, and was always on her soapbox? Because that's what I'm getting out of it. Like, maybe he kept nagging him to cut his hair and get a real fucking job. Uh, I mean, oh, God, no. <laughs> Oh no! Don't do that! Don't, don't cut your hair. And don't get hold a job. me down, man. No, man, you can't hold me down. I've got a leather jacket and, a, and Brian Adams' phone number. <laughs> Mate, to be honest, I'm jealous of that bit. That, that's fair. If I could send yeah, selfies yeah, to Brian that's... Adams, I would be doing it every day. Um, but I don't think there's anything for me in this one. It's there's a bit about three minutes, and there's kind of a na 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 bit. And like you say, it's very catchy. Um, but the whole sound yeah. of this thing, I don't like. Um, it's really dreary. The, the, one of the lyrics, you know, you could be wrong. You know that, don't you? You could be totally wrong. It can happen, you know. Is that, fuck what? This is so bizarre. Yeah. Um, and this was the third single. They released this as a single. It seems like a strange choice to me. Well. It only got to number 33, so. I mean, that's still too far, to be fair. That's, it's that's not too, too much too young is what it is. Too much too often. <laughs> yes. Too much in general. Too much. Uh yeah, I, I don't get that one. It's not my uh, my thing at all. Don't particularly like it. No, not for me. That's a, a big thumbs down. Mm. Okay, so we are four tracks into this. Yes. Shall we take a short break and check Look out at... the first rundown of the album? Let's do that. All right, three. cool. Like I said at the top of this, the week we're looking at is the 31st of January to the 6th of February. Um, and this is the okay. top 10 of that week. So number 10 is The Shaman with Boss Drum. And obviously, mm-hmm. throughout the last season, we saw a few different um, singles come up through that. The The album is now top 10. It's doing well for them. Uh, number 9 is the Stereo MCs, Connected. And once again, cool. we saw we saw those singles coming out the la- in 1992. And so we I remember did. this album being pretty big. This was everywhere for, for a good while because it crossed over so many different things. It was... You know, it was kind of cool. It was NME. It was a bit dancey, uh, but it was also mm-hmm. very accessible. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure my mum really liked this album because it was it wasn't just for people who were going out raving or going to the chill out bar in Ibiza. It was people who were listening to the radio as well. And it was, you know, and if you were a fan of Ugly Men, there was something for you in the videos. Right. Who isn't? Come on. Well, thank God. <laughs> um, number eight uh, is. And this is absolute news uh, to me. I have no idea what this is all about. David Zinman with Gorecki Symphony Number no. Three. So absolutely a classical classical album. Don't know why it's in the top ten. Don't know what happened. Ne- never, never. No, don't, I must have missed that particular yeah. moment in pop culture. Yeah. Number seven is REM's Automatic for the People. Still hanging around top ten. Rightly. Yeah. So. I mean, and we're now a year and a half after after release on that one. Well, year and... Fucking hell. Know, let's say 16 months. Um, number six is Jesus Jones, Perverse, which is a new entry this week. Is their uh, follow-up album to Doubt. Yes. Oh, well, so 
Uh, was it? Was the last one straight in at number one? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, straight in at number one. It was one of the ones, okay, where, you so know, number one and for a week and then out again. What were the singles on Perverse? Perverse? Um, God, was it Devil Inside or something like that? Or the Devil That's Devil and something? Um, zeros and Ones? Was that on that album? Perverse? It was, I'm not sure. I'm trying to try It was one of these ones that didn't do as well as they hoped it would, I'm pretty sure. You know, it's kind of follow up yeah, to I mean, a big fucking album and it didn't make an impact. Sure, I mean, I was, you know, definitely looking in a different direction by the time this record came out, mm. so... Well, you know, I should have been all over it, in theory, because I was still listening to all kind of indie stuff at that point, but I think I must have heard the first single of it, which, whatever, whatever that was, and gone, all right, maybe this isn't for me anymore. Uh, but I read something recently where someone from the band was saying, to be honest, Perverse was the album that we still have the most fun with, and it was most fun to do, and it's probably the one we are most proud of. So maybe maybe oh, okay. you know maybe I'm remembering it incorrectly. Oh, well, yeah, but that's number six. Uh, number five this week is Arrested Developments: Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of, which okay. we've seen before because it was released kind of maybe even like the previous February or March. It was released ages ago, but this is the first time it's been in the top ten. Yeah, I presume I presume Mr. Wendell was in the chart it's, this time because that was exactly. the second or third. It'll be on it. that is precisely it. It'll have been uh, a kick up the arse from a single release. Uh, number four is Genesis, as we've spoken about before. The way we walk, Volume Two. Number three is Dina Carroll, so close. And yep, I remember that. I remember her. You know, British soul, isn't it? Just bland. Yeah, I mean, I I, I remember like you know, kind of all the. Uh, like the kind of the smooth kids, do you know what right. I mean? The jumper wearers at sixth form were like into Dina Carroll and stuff like I that, see. you know? Right. Uh, and then the, uh, number two is The The with Dusk, which is a new entry. So it looks like we almost had to do that one instead of uh, hmm. Little Angels, but yeah, that, that's number two. Um, I must admit, The The are one of those bands that are so widely, you know, fated in, in you know, cool circles, but I never got into them. Could not be bothered. I've never listened to. I've never. I've never listened to the. the really, I don't. I don't know where. I, I don't like to the point. I don't have an opinion on them at all. Right. I couldn't. I mean, they they might be brilliant, but I've I've never listened to them. Now the, the singles that I've heard of theirs, stuff like the Beaten Generation and whatever, are are things like I've never made me want to investigate further, and I think it's one of these things that because they were so written about by people that I like oh you're making them sound like the absolute best thing in the world but for a very miserable genre then I don't want to know so I never got into it I mean I'm not averse to a miserable genre as you oh, know totally. so maybe I should dig in deeper well, as the only thing that I can think of recently that's uh, kind of that has made me think of the, the is the fact that Matt Johnson the singer seems to have gone full conspiracy theorist on online which is a real shame he's uh Proper uh, mental. This lockdown really has done bad things to people's brains. I man. know, I know. It's it's brought the worst out of a lot of people. I just fucking see those feedback loops where people are just are, uh, and it's like your argument already includes the reason why you can't listen to the logic that explains why you're yep. wrong, and you just can't do anything about it. I mean, God bless you, fucking well done, Ian Brown, for whatever it is oh, you're doing. Jesus Christ, crazy, crazy shit. Uh, okay, so that's the top ten, and then there are a couple of. Albums, obviously I'm taking since the 1st of January release, um, because we've got 
four or five weeks to look at. Um, the Wedding Present released Hit Parade 2 in this period, which I'm guessing was another one of their uh, compilation albums where they'd release a single every month and then put it all together right. as an album. And again, it's just, I remember hearing a couple of those at the time and thinking they were just dull. Really dull. And I have nothing against the wedding yeah. present, but... Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those... You know, it's like, it's like with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, who I think are mm. perfectly decent, uh-huh. man. But, you know, if you're putting out four albums in a year, <laughs> it's not all good, is no, it? No, it can't be. You've got to have some sort of quality control. You know, I mean, like... I mean, even if Prince put out four albums in a year, it wouldn't all be Which good. It must know, have done it, that at some point. Surely. Well, my main issue with him with Warner Brothers is that they wouldn't let him oh, release yeah. as much as they That's wanted to, wasn't it? True. That was his issue. Yeah. It was like, they were like, no, no, you've got to let us build a campaign and maximise sales. And they were like, no, I just want to put out everything. Everything, yeah. Uh, another album that was out was so, Apache Indians No Reservations. Were you aware of that at the time? Of course I was, What was his The cheese, the cake and the bun, fun. The lyrics then trip off my tongue, fun. <laughs> Brilliant. Was he Boom Shakalak? Was that him? Yeah, that was yeah, him. But right. that, that was that was a, that was a few. Actually, was it? Uh, yeah, no. Boom Shakalak was on that album. I think. Yeah, yeah. that was his big. Boom Shakalak, rude boy. Right. Yeah. I, I actually had a, a quite a soft spot for Apache Indian right? in the day. I mean, not. Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought it was funny. Don't get me wrong. I didn't take it seriously. You would. You wouldn't um, have bought an album. If I think I did buy a CD single. I think I did have right. the Boom Shakalak CD single, and which is how I know the song uh, "Fun," which goes. The cheese and the cake and the bun, fun. <laughs> them lyrics then trip off my tongue, fun. The hell? Just in case you didn't hear it the first time I said That's it. That's amazing. Oh no, I, I did. I just thought you were going mental. Let me just say again the <laughs> cheese and the cake and the bun, fun. Fun. Thanks, Apache. Yeah. Why have, you, why have you got those three things? Anyway, carry on. Um, uh, Heavy D and the Boys released Blue Funk which I don't remember at all, but I'm guessing this is post Now That We Find Love, and they've, they've become this pop act. Yeah, but I mean, he's uh, he, he's also on Naughty By Nature's album uh, uh, this year with a with, with lyric that there's something around the line. Because, yeah, I went pop, pop, but I still kept my ghetto past. Then anyone that laughs can kiss my yellow ass. <laughs> that was, uh, nice. <laughs> Last seen on this podcast, Heavy D, uh, in Michael Jackson's Dangerous, if I remember. Oh, God, he was as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, Dennis Leary released No Cure for Cancer. Remember that at the time? Yeah, I mean, I certainly do. I mean, I I remember about two years previously when Bill Hicks (laughs) wrote all the jokes. Yeah, exactly. But I did very much, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, I think I probably saw it on Channel 4, they put it all on. I really enjoyed the No Cure for Cancer stand-up gig. Oh, same as that. Same as that. It is funny, it's just ripped off funny. Um, I also Mm. really enjoyed the uh, I'm an Asshole song. I thought that was absolutely brilliant, love that. Uh, Brand Nubian, released in God We Trust. I was very unaware of that, couldn't tell you. I mean, I mean the, the the problem with fucking brand Nubian is they've got some tunes, but there are some fucking homophobic lyrics yes. on some of the tracks. And I just, I just, I, you know, I try not to retrofit stuff. You know, I can, I can listen to stuff with slurs in it of some mm-hmm. of some degree and kind of not take it seriously and not affect my own opinion on those issues. Yeah. But like some of the shit in those songs is just too fucking far for me. Yeah. Man. I can't, you know, I can't listen to fucking punks jump up to get beat down, which is such a great a tune, tune in so yeah, many ways. Yeah. But it's just got that fucking horrible verse in it, and it just, I can't, I just can't fuck with Fair it. Fair play. 
Fair play. Uh, and the last one I've got on my little list of mentionables is Debbie Gibson with Mind, Body and Soul. Which I just thought I wasn't wow, sure if that, you would have been aware of at the time because I bet you were a fan of hers in the 80s. In a kind of a fluffy yeah. way around 1986 or whenever Electric Youth came sure. out. I mean, I'm surprised that she's putting out a record in 1993. Well, I was too, I th- yeah. I mean, hadn't she done like a Playboy shoot around that time or something as well? Wasn't there like a big thing know. about Debbie Gibson doing Playboy? I mean, she definitely did it I'm at fairly... some point. I don't know if it was back then. I'm wondering if it was like mm. a, an edgy kind of... Uh, oh, like grown up. Uh, I'm an adult. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe so. Mind, body and soul. Yeah, don't know, but uh, that, that's all I have album-wise anyway. Not a brilliant rundown, if we're going to be honest, but it is January. In that case then, Krista, shall we crack into the uh, the middle section of this record? Yes, indeed, right, let's do this. Okay, cool. Okay, so, um, won't bother playing track five. Track five is called STW. Uh, it's, let's, let's play it. Do you want to yeah, play, play it? Right, yeah, and this is... Just like an interlude. It's uh, just yeah. a minute long. It's some guitars doing this. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite pleasant. I mean, I'll just put, it's a Segway instrumental that simply doesn't need to exist. It just sounds like someone pissing about with their new pen. Oh, that's exactly what it is. And this is, you know, credited just to um, the guitarist Bruce Dickinson. Not that one. Mm-hmm. Uh and I saw a, a thing online where someone asked him what STW stands for because this person had already interviewed Toby Jepson and he wouldn't say. Uh, and Bruce Dickinson, not that one, also refuses to say what it's called. So I looked up what STW you know, could stand for. There's some acronyms that it could be. And um, we've got things like the standards of training and watchkeeping. Maybe so. Oh, yeah, cool. Severn Trent Water. It's a possibility. Yeah. Sewage treatment works. Very likely. Nice. Save the whales. You know, again, hippies. Sir Terry Wogan. Nice, could be. Could well be. <laughs> That's my favourite. Sir Terry Wogan. <laughs> Sir Terry Wogan. <laughs> that came up in the list. Uh, Star Trek Well Committee. And, you know, let's face it, I've seen what these guys look like. That's entirely possible as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I just thought of a couple that it might be myself. Um, I thought maybe they really didn't like Scott Weiland, so they, it's Stone Temple Wankers. Might be that. Okay. Um, yeah. Or it might be their version of Casual Fridays, which is Shitty Tits Wednesday. Could be it, so, yeah. I, I, I like I, I like the idea of Stubby Toe Wank. Stubby Toe, absolutely. It could be any of these things, you know. It's one of those ones where bands, you know, Kurt Cobain never explained his lyrics. It's all, it's all in the mind of the beholder. Sexual Time Waster? Yes, Absolutely. I, I think I've been called that to be honest. That's that's fair. Well, that's that's that's, that's probably what they call foreplay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, okay. It is. It's it's a minute long, and it just leads into the rest. So that's where we're at with this one. Okay, so it leads into track six, which is called "Don't Confuse Sex with Love." Oh, sex! Oh, uh, this is a, this embarrassing. I'm uncomfortable already. Well. Okay, literally the, the 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 three words I've got at the start of my notes and this is this is embarrassing. Yeah, you just said them. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't want to hear about Gumby's sex life, do you? Not not some fucking Scarborough rocker, absolutely not. Uh, I like lyrically, it's not, not abstract enough to be like, oh, it's just basically bollocks. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, but it's still embarrassing to listen to. Oh, it's yeah, it's, cringing. It's, it's like 
it's like someone's idea of what sexy is. In, exactly. It's a song that is ostensibly trying to be about kinkiness and celebrating the non-vanilla sex. Try some new things in the bedroom and you might enjoy yourself. But fucking hell. You know, the, the, the lyrics are awful. Some, again, some I've picked out. Um, so I quizzed her up about that thing, what she described near blinded me, about a stirrup strap, a master gland, her perfect combination plan. A, what does it mean? A master gland? Why would you write that in a song? That's horrendous. I mean, it, it sounds like it was written by an AI. Yeah, yes, it does. Yeah, exactly. We, <laughs> or is the winner of the, that uh, award they do for the worst erotic scene in literature. Sure. And at some point, I don't, I don't know if you can hear it, but the, the horns start doing basically these horn stabs mm-hmm. that just sound like the 1966 Batman. Oh, well, that's probably the best bit of it then. I mean, it, it, it really is. Let me, let me see if I can find it. Hang on a minute. Oh, I see what you mean. Bow, bow. Man. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess it's trying to be, you know, a little bit sexy, a bit of a swagger to it. Because this whole thing, and again, don't confuse sex with love, is your classic, oh yeah, I love fucking groupies, but, you know, don't get attached, baby, I'm moving on, that sort of shit. Yeah, I'm da- I just don't fall in love. I'm damaged goods, baby. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's, it's that, the machismo thing, they're trying to have that, that swagger behind it. But again, lyrically, another one that I just I could not believe... There were more than two, six on nine, one in front, three more behind. All those eyes, all those thighs, plastic dolls and plastic ties. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. It's a fucking crime against music, this. And it's less erotic than finding your granddad's home pool. Oh, mate. It it is. It's it's absolute schoolboy tittering behind your hand at some dirty stuff you've seen late night on Channel 4. And you'd have thought these guys... They're probably, I don't know, mid-twenties, let's say, by this point. Surely they should have stopped thinking that this was a good idea. But then again, they're also, they've been brought up on shit like Motley Crue and Poison. So that they, maybe they think that's just what we have to do. They either have to write one of these songs for the album. Yeah, maybe, maybe we've, got, we, yeah, we, we, we've got to disrespect. You don't have to disrespect the women, guys. It's, it's optional. Best not to, actually. As it turns out, yeah. 2021, turns out it's better not to do that uh-huh. stuff. Then again, we did see on that Brian Adams one last season that he just had some dodgy songs going on as well. So even even the nicest camera, he had some he had some old fashioned ideas. Mm. And I tell you, but while we're on this fucking song as well, mm. that fucking big bopper "Hello Baby" they do at Very the end strange. is absolutely unforgivable. <laughs> isn't it? That's, how dare you, you blasphemous <laughs> bastards! And again, from nowhere, there's no need for it. It didn't need that whatsoever, and it adds nothing to it. It is just, it's kind of sleazy. Yeah, I, I did not want to hear this group of men talk about sex. I don't want to hear it, no. man. Like, I just don't want to hear it. I, ugh. Anyway. I'll right, tell you what, I enough. mean, I um, I bought a, a compilation album, like a 60s compilation album recently, because uh, I had a couple of bits on it I wanted. It's like four, yeah. it's or double vinyl, so it's got fucking loads of shit on there. And the first one... Oh, is that Stardust? Yes. Oh, I've got that. Yeah. Oh, right. Do you remember uh, track one on it? It, which is called it's by Neil Sedaka, you know, fair enough, big big uh, songwriter, and it's called Happy Birthday Sweet Sixteen. Oh, is uh, yeah. And I, you I, can I, guess I, what this song is about. It is essentially it's a, a man uh, singing. Uh, I am so glad 
that you're turning 16 today so I can finally fuck you. Oh, it's horrible. And, it's like, and there's lines in there it's about, horrible. and you know, we always, we grew up together. I saw you as a little sister when, you know, you were eight. And uh, thank God you're finally of age so I can stick it in. Oh, mate, that's so yeah, bad. Uh, honest, I was listening through and going, oh, Jesus Christ, he's saying these things? This was This was palatable? In whatever, 1965 or something? Wow, it's crazy. Well, there you go, man. There's uh, uh, Attitudes have changed. Uh, they, not not uh, much in Little Angel's time, though. Well, uh, The final lyric that I picked out, and I, this is the one. Uh, right. Be discreet, and I'll complete right here neath this tabletop. If the waiter shows, bite your lip, and I'll give you the perfect tip. Now, as someone who owns a pub... <sighs> I want to very strongly that, discourage right. people from wanking each other off under the table while while I'm serving them food. I don't want that. We're not that sort of place, sir. I've, I've eaten in your pub and the food is adequately seasoned. Yeah, that that one really went too far, I feel. That really hit at the heart of my uh, my, my morals as a public. Exactly. <laughs> and restauranter. I suppose at least he is, uh, you know, implying that if you are going to do that and you're going to figure to jizz on the underside of my tables, do leave a good tip because that's, you know, it's only fair. Ugh, terrible. Mate, we are now, um, what, two weeks? We're recording this about two weeks before the pubs are going to reopen. It's going to be fucking carnage. Mm-hmm. There's going to be... Shagging everywhere in pubs, I reckon. Sure. It's people are just going to be going mad. Have you ever had to deal with? Have you ever caught? I never have. No. Um, the other guy, the other owner, Lee, he once caught a couple of people banging on the garden steps outside. And uh, if I remember correctly, because oh, nice. he, he was, he was trying to be polite. He was going, right, look, you're going to need to stop that. Rather than, right, oi, stop it and get inside. He was like. Right, look, you need to stop that because you can't be doing that. And he did say that the bloke uh, looked at him uh, kind of with disgust going, I'm not finished. Why are you interrupting? Yeah, one of those. Oh, dear God. Amazing. I mean, that is a a particular bit of tunnel vision. I have had to. There was a couple who were sitting at the bar one Sunday and uh, it was probably, you know, early evening and they had been there all day. They were drunk as shit. And they were probably in their 50s, early 50s, I'd say. And yeah, the place was packed. They were sitting at the bar, so they were, you know, everyone could see them. And there was families everywhere because it's a Sunday afternoon. Everyone's out for the roast. And I had to stop him. I had to tell him to get his hand out from her skirt. I had to go up to him and go, right, Amazing. seriously, knock that off. There's people everywhere. There's kids running around. Basically, stop fingering your wife in my pub. Yeah, not what I wanted, really. Amazing. And again, they didn't look so embarrassed. They were like, oh, yeah, okay, right, fine. Went back to drinking. Had to throw those glasses away. Had to burn that stool. (laughs) Ever thought that you were a bit of a prude, Krista? (laughs) Burn that stool. All right, let's get on with this fucking shit. Anyway, come on. (laughs) So this is uh, Mm -hmm. track seven. Uh, this is called Womankind. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. This okay. track's called Womankind. <laughs> I can't wait. Wow. There's there's a guitar noise. This oh, was yeah. the second single. This came out in, in the January of 1993. Mm. And this got to number 12. Look, this is the kind of record... I'm trying to work... This is, to me, this is the kind of record where Rolling Stones fans try and sound like the Beatles. This is a band where people that like the Rolling Stones oh, I see. Okay. try and sound like the Beatles. That's what I think. I recall, I you up to 
you know, mm-hmm. it was this was a big hit. I have no idea why. It is, it's terrible. This is this was the biggest hit of their career. They never had a, a song go higher in the charts. I mean, start with the start with the the rhyme play. Mm-hmm. Womankind, blow my mind. How you find <laughs> proper fucking Dr. Seuss rhyming dictionary yeah. shit. Oh, this chorus. Woman, 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 kai Yeah, he's doing that again. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, as ever, there's some nice bits of guitar in it from okay. here, here and yeah. there. And there's a lot of strings. But a solo, cannot, a solo cannot patch up a shit song, you know? Nah. Oh, the lyric in this, what is it? Fortunately, you are not a desperate proclaimer. Gosh, thanks, I guess. Is that a, yeah, a compliment? I mean, fuck me, though, yeah. That just sounds like a cryptic crossword question. I love that. That's brilliant. That is exactly what it is as well. No, Dreadful. I mean, I've, I've got... I mean, is there... I presume there's a video for this. I haven't watched it. I haven't. It. I, 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 I didn't, didn't bother. Much. No. Um, it, it, this is another... This is the big ballad. This is the first big ballad single they released, so this was the one lighter than the air. Um... There's even kind of almost boy band backing vocals and strings going on. So this is, the record company are going, right, let's make this a big hit with the mums. Um, and I'll mm-hmm. be honest, I, I kind of don't mind the vocals on the first line of each verse. The But then the chorus completely fucks it all for me. The chorus is just so bad that I cannot forgive the rest of it. Oh, mate, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a... It's a it's a real kick in the balls of a song. It really is. Yeah, and you know, with some of the songs, whenever I was doing my listens through, they kind of I got more used to them, and I thought this isn't so bad, and it improved in my mind. This one got worse and worse and worse every time. Uh, it grated more, and it takes itself so seriously. Well, I was I was listening to Rob Marlowe, who's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got a, uh, like a, a YouTube podcast that he does with Mickey Kerr, mm-hmm. and I was listening to that, and Mickey Kerr was talking about his. Vasectomy. Oh God! Right. Like me and my wife, we decided we'd only have one kid. So it's, you know, it's something I've been thinking okay. about, and like it, it sounded so painful. <laughs> uh, the, the, the whole needle in the ball and stuff. I was like, oh fuck, no, oh. no, no, no. And I would just, I'd do that fucking every day for a year rather than listen to this song again. <laughs> oh, magic. <laughs> honestly, man, I'd rather fucking grate my knob. Honestly. Oh. It's, Terrible, this. Yeah, no, I, I never want to hear that one again. No, never. Never, never, never. Fuck it right All off. Right. Uh, next one, then. Let's listen to the next track. This one is called Eyes Wide Open. All right, okay. We're stepping it up again. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, this sounds okay. Starting off, I don't mind that. And we're on that kind of stompy, kind of uh, like half rap delivery thing mm-hmm, again. Yeah. A bit, bit more kind of honky tonk piano in the mix here as well. So it starts, and I'm like, okay, it's, it's, it's all right. And this reminds me of all those other late '80s bands again. But I, th- I think this is a really bad chorus. Yeah, again, it doesn't work, does it? Doesn't work. Not at all. And then bizarrely. Is it the next verse or the last verse? Where there's just this weird fucking homophobic verse well, for some reason about Fab Five Freddy. I don't understand. Because, yeah, there's kind of three characters in this song. Um, there's Jump Boy Johnny, 
who seems to have a, a drug problem of some sort. Yep. Um, the third verse is Little Girl Susie, who wants to be a mass shooter, yep. apparently. The lyric is, Little yep. Girl Susie wants to buy an Uzi, show the little boys just how choosy she is. Susie want to play, going to blow them all away. Had enough of everyone here, the trigger go click just for the kicks. Right, that's not yeah. nice. The second one is about Fab Five Freddy, who's maybe a closeted gay man? But Fab Five Freddy is a well-known rapper and producer. Yeah, Why? and like, you can't even... And not even just just known in hip-hop circles, because, you know, he was in the mainstream in fucking in Rapture by Blondie. Absolutely, he's the, the guy in the video and in yeah, the lyrics. Fab Five Freddy talk. Told me everybody's fly. DJ yeah. spinning, I said, my, my, yeah. So I don't know. There's some. Yeah, and he was at the and, and at the time he was and at the time as well he was the presenter of the Yo MTV Raps, yeah. the biggest hip hop show in so the world. So I don't know why they've picked that name. Let's be clear, Fire Fry Freddy would fuck these cunts up as well. <laughs> That's a, a a given. I feel. I don't. So yeah, and, I mean, and it is, and it's it's weird and fucking. You know, again, it's some fucking weird homophobic shit in the middle. Talking about fucking feminine itch and, uh, yeah. and it just annoyed the piss out of me. Well, this is it because right, the song is called Eyes Wide Open, and then it's got these three verses about three different characters, and so mm-hmm. is it? I mean, are, are we supposed to be on their side? But it can't be because you've got a guy called Jump Boy Johnny who's a, who's a druggie and Susie who wants to yep. shoot everyone, or is yep. it about keeping your eyes wide open to be aware of the threats? You know, a druggie, a, a shooter. But if so, then why is there a verse about a gay man? No, because it's fucking homophobic. Because the, there is no other raid to read this other than they don't like gay I people. And fuck that. I don't understand. You know, there's made major chord choruses in it here with the horns. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lots of horns. It just makes me want to punch someone in the fucking face. It really does. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just makes me angry on a visceral level. And like... It, there's just no excuse for this song. It's, it's awful. This song is absolute cack. And this is, again, having not had some horns for a little while, I was getting used to that, and they are back in a big way on this song. Um, turns out that the horn section was called The Big Bad Horns, and it featured a guy on trumpet called Grunt Kirkhope, and he went on to write music for computer games, yep. such as Banjo-Kazooie, Perfect Dark, and Goldeneye. Which, mm-hmm. again, I know nothing about computer games, but those are all big titles. Yeah. He wrote uh, the music for those. He's won awards for such things. Yeah, they were, they're, they're, they're all by Rare, I believe. I believe okay. Rare was the computer game company that those were produced those games. You know, those are all big ones. Those are the kind of famous ones he's been on. Um, he has also uh, written music for games called Grabbed by the Ghoulies and Fart Cat. And Fart Cat has an exclamation mark. I've heard of grab. I've heard of grabbed by the ghoulies, but Fart Cat. I have Fart Cat. I can, I can see if that's on Steam. I might get that. <laughs> fart. And the thing is, it is. It's Fart, fart Cat, cat do, do, exclamation do, 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 mark. Do, do, do. It's not just Fart Cat. It's Fart Cat. Maybe that's what those horns are saying. <laughs> fart Cat. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that that's the only thing I right. find out about the uh, the horn section on that. All right. Okay. With uh, with that fucking. Gleaming hot turd. We'll uh, move on to the palate cleansing single. All right, let's do that. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I'll tell you what, before we do the singles, um, why don't we have a quick look at Twitter? We put out a, a shout, let people know oh, yes, we were sure. doing this one. So, yeah, what do we get? Um, uh, John in Leeds, uh, a simple, uh, a simple, who the fuck are they? Um, fair. <laughs> typical typical John in Leeds, that, yeah. There we go. Um, a manticore aunt. I, I paint things. Um, 
Burr, Little Angels, Gun, Thunder, Dogs Demore, all the early 90s UK pub rocks, desperate for a bite of that Def Leppard money. It was shit yeah. then, and if Top of the Pop 90s taught me anything, it sounds even worse now. I'm, I'm, right. I, I, I don't hate anything <laughs> that you're saying there, my friend. Yeah, we kind of definitely were in agreement there. I mean, I'd totally forgotten about Dogs Demore. That's one of those bands that if I if I'd never seen it written again, I could not have named you in a list of rock bands, no matter how long. Uh, no, I, I, I could because it because it, it always reminds me of incomprehensible Vince who used to come into uh, HMV because that was one of his <laughs> that was one of his ticks, wasn't it? <laughs> was it? <laughs> like he wanted to listen to the Dogs Demur album. Yeah, you know, no, no, because I mean, he's you know, fucking fair play to him. Whatever had happened to him, he had a uh, he'd, he'd obviously done a fucking lot of drugs, right? He had at some mm-hmm. point. And he got this. Um, he showed us his thing once, and his disability was just unintelligible speech. And he was like Boomhauer, right. wasn't he? He was like Boomhauer, but yeah, um, his ticks would be peppered with band, well, like with band names. So, oh, it's about to drop a bit of the dogs to more, and that's that's how I always remember it. <laughs> I see. Well, go. they will live on forever in that memory. I said, I'm sure they'd be pleased. One of one of my favourite uh, customers in Luton, but never never bought a thing. <laughs> Never understood a word, it, word he said, but there you uh-huh. go. I hope you're all right, Vince. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, uh, so number one rerun podcast. Uh, hey, number um, one. Hey, number one. Um, really liked it at the time, but re-listened uh, after years, not so long ago, after hearing Mark from Skunk and Nancy talk about his time with them. Doesn't hold mm-hmm. up, fine but forgettable. Too much, too young is still a good little number, though. Um, All right, I mean, I would have expected that kind of a response from from Number One Remon because they, they they loved that early nineties rock stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Venetian Gambler, Andy B. Uh, I'm shook. Uh, Little Angels had a number one album. Um, yeah. Well, which you followed up with a second tweet. Good luck with that. There we go. Yeah, I know, mate. We, we were kind of in the same boat whenever we saw. Oh, we're kicking off 1993 with this one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, George Stevens, Pompey George. Little Angels had a number one album, and then he's caveated yeah. that. Top ten, you <laughs> know. A lot, a lot of people very surprised about uh, about this record. Oh sure, uh, Dave Roddy, Raw Power Roddy. This is more in this is more in Dave Roddy's powerhouse. Loved Little Angels, mm. catchy pop rock. Think the Almighty had a top five album that week too. Might be wrong. They went a bit too far the wrong way on Jam. I thought Young Gods was a great album. Uh, before, well, um, I mean, yeah, I'm going to take your word for the fact that the previous one is better because I'm not going to listen to it off the back of this one. Um, I mean, Dave Roddy's also said he's he's followed up though. He said also, my best mate's brother used to keep his Johnnies in his Little Angels Radical Your Lover seven inch box set. Well, that's uh, mm. that's uh, so I'm not sure if he was a radical lover or seven inches apparently, <laughs> but I like his thinking. Yes. That's, that's a nice little uh, bit of trivia there. Thank nice you. Nice, cheers, mate. I, don't, I mean, I can't imagine anything making me want to have sex less. So, uh, so you know, maybe really. I can't imagine. No, just, you imagine you're a girl. So you've gone home with this bloke, and he reaches into his seven-inch box set of Little Angels to get out his condoms. I don't know if I would run a mile at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe he's just, maybe really didn't want to get a girl pregnant, so he was like doubling down on Dull- my perception. <laughs> like, if you, if they, that is the if best. If they think about the little angels, yeah, come on. Mm. A good friend, Miss Disorderly, um, obviously replying to the tweet, the tweet had the question, did we miss out? She just replied, you did not. Fair enough, succinct. Martin Young, Martin Young, who is a very, very well-versed man in the world of uh, pop music. I've got absolutely no clue on this one, no idea what it is at all. And that nothing, just zero, just nothing, mate, nothing. 
And as they say, if Martin Young doesn't know it, it's not worth knowing. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, Stephen Hill from Riot at Podcast. Uh, definitely in the top three best songs called Too Much Too Young after the specials and the live version of the same song by the specials. <laughs> and I'm not going to be funny with you. I think it's probably still outside that top three, but there you go. <laughs> uh, Niall Bakewell, uh, the last dangleberry of 80s Brit metal that the toilet paper of grunge hadn't yet wiped away. As a, a, That's, a, mm. I mean, it's evocative and accurate. Yeah, exactly. I can almost taste that tweet. Dave Burgess listened it to the other day, you know it was coming up. It's a spiritual follow up to the choir boys at all. Uh, light, inoffensive junior rock for 13 year old boys. Having said that, too much, too young, still kicks. Well, fair play, okay. Dave. Glad you got something out of it, mate. I'm glad you got something out of that one. Well, that's it. Maybe it is. Maybe at the time it was, it was an easy entry point for a 14 year old who, who, who was maybe a bit scared by the tougher stuff. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know. And uh, uh, then Kerrang! Back Issue said that Little Angels are on the cover of the Kerrang! that I'm covering this week. I don't know how they had a number one album either. Now, that was the April the 2nd, uh, 1994 issue of Kerrang!'s. He says the cover says Little Angels fighting to survive. Obviously, they didn't fight hard enough. I mean, to be fair, mate... No, they broke up that year. Some fights are just not worth winning, are they? There you go. Yeah, indeed. And I think yeah. I think that's all. I think that's everything that we uh, that we got on Little Angels. Still, that's quite a good stack of thought, really, compared to, to compared yeah, to good. how many people actually fucking know that album or have listened to it. So yeah, there we go. True enough. Cool. All right. Now that's and thank you once again to everyone for getting in touch about that. I uh, really do appreciate the feedback. That's cool. Yeah, we enjoyed your t- we enjoyed your tweets much more than we're enjoying this album. So anyway, um, yeah. With that in mind, shall we check out the singles, Chris? Yeah. Let's let's get into the the actual countdown. All right. Cool. So singles for the week of January thirty first to February six. The top ten. Number ten is Sister Sledge. Is We Are Family nineteen ninety three. So you know that's. Nice. It's what it is. It's a reissue of a classic. Mm-hmm. Number nine, and I'll play because this is a huge intro. I'll play it underneath and see if you get it. It's a band that you absolutely know. It's a song that you will know, but it's like it, the, the intro goes on forever and ever and ever. So you, it might take you a minute. Yeah, uh, this is. Um... Oh, hang on, is it? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip it. Is it ringing any bells with you? Is it... I mean, it's, it sounds incredibly familiar, yeah. but it's not an unusual sounding song, really, is it? No. I've heard it. I can't no. tell you what it is. Fine. Uh, well, it was M People with How Can I Love You More. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I am. we've got M People albums coming up, haven't I we? I think we do. Uh, well, I'm sure we must have. We can't not. It's the 90s. Yeah, yeah well, that's going to take... That's going to take some real reimagining, that <laughs> shit. Uh, right, so that was number nine. Number eight is this one. It's a... Uh, I had the album. I this is one of the this. An album that I bought. And, uh, oh, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this song called? It's the same band that did Hello. It's a Beloved. It's a beloved, exactly. It's a Beloved, it? Isn't is it? Beloved. Yeah. Uh, gonna get the... Um... Is this called Sweet Harmony? Yes, it is. Exactly. Sweet Harmony. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was a, a, a big-ish single for them at the time. 
It was uh, it did well for them. That's a great song. Number seven, I'm not even going to play, is Usura, Open Your Mind, which is a rave tune that had the uh, that line from Total Recall in it. You know where was it? Kwatu. Open your mind. Exactly. Yeah, that bit. Uh, number yeah. six, though, and you're definitely going to know this one. Yeah, it's Ordinary World yeah, by Duran Duran. It certainly is, mate. One of your favourites, Ordinary World. Probably one of their best songs. I, I, I can't I can't deal with that. That's absolute nonsense. How can you compare that to anything that they put out between 82 and 85? Because uh, it's just got such fucking emotional resonance, wow. you know? The, you know, the, 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 like their kind of 81 to 85 stuff is fucking fantastic. It's big pop bangers, yeah. but like n- none of them fucking jerk a tear out of me like Ordinary World does. And come undone... It's also fucking exceptional. Yeah, fair enough, man. Because the thing is, I know you're a massive Duran Duran fan. Um, so, yeah. did you actually? Did, there's a point. Did you have that album at the time in '93? Would you have had this? No. Do you know what? I didn't. I. I it's. It was just a matter of resources. I ah, really right. liked those singles at the time. Fucking on MTV a lot. Really liked them, but there was no money that I had for records that was going towards pop music at no, that time. No, it, it was, was all, all going elsewhere. towards fucking alternative and stuff like that. That's okay, that makes sense. Okay, uh, so that's number six. Number five, and, you know, we're going to have to do this album very soon. In fact, I think this is the next album we have to do. Oh, it's E17. Yes, it is. E17 with Deep. And yeah, that deep, deep yeah, down, rest upon my there chest. Go. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to do that very soon. We'll not say too much about that one. Uh, number four, oh, I'm not even bothered getting this, is Snap with Exterminate, which is dreadful. Uh, number oh, three uh, is West End featuring Sybil, The Love I Lost. Again, I'm not going to bother playing that. Number two, and see if you get this, give it a minute to, to get into the main bit and you'll absolutely know it. And again, Utah Saints. Nope. No, it's oh, yeah, too unlimited. It's too unlimited. No limit. And we are going to have to do this album at some point this year. This, this is number yeah, one. I'm off sick that yeah, week. Yeah, fuck you. Can't and then number one, and this has been number one forever. Yeah, it is. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I end up, we all, I'm not. I'm not even dignifying <laughs> Five. it. It's uh, Whitney Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was number one since before Christmas, I'm pretty sure. And then this is probably coming towards yeah. maybe just the middle of its reign. I don't even know. Um, and then if you look at the other stuff that was released this uh, four weeks, five weeks that I've got in January, this was a big hit. Got number three. Yes, take that. Yeah, do you remember which one? Yeah, it's... Um... Is it everything? No, not everything changes. It's... um. Spirits move me. That one. Uh, I just can't get to the chorus. It's the Barry Manilow one. Uh, Could it be magic? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sultan's Ping released You Talk Too Much, which got to number 26. And the Frank and Walters Mm -hmm. released After All, which got to number 11. So you got a little kind of Irish indie thing going on. And I do remember The Enemy or Melody Maker making a point of uh, the Irish takeover just because those two singles came out at the same time. What a takeover. Well, indeed. Uh, This one, obviously, you're going to know this. This got to number three in the charts. It's Faith and Wall's cover of Easy. Yes, it is. Do you remember what was the... It was a double A side. Do you remember what was the other A side? Or the the other A side. Remember the other side of, of that? 
it was uh, Everything's Ruined, no, wasn't it? No, because that was a single in its own right, actually. I know, you're right. What was it, what was it then? It was... It, no, just in case you knew, it's uh, Be Aggressive. No, it is Be yeah. Aggressive. There you go. Yeah. That's what it was. So, yeah, yeah, it was officially a double A with that, which is kind of two very different sides of a, of a coin. Uh, Pop Lead itself mm-hmm. released Get the Girl, Kill the Baddies, got to number nine. And I, I remember really enjoying that, but having been such a big fan of the Pop Lead itself, you know, kind of for three years before, this was the tail end of where I gave a shit about Pop Lead itself. Sure. It's a decent song, but it's not, you know, in my life, that's not the, the poppies I wanted to hear. Uh, this one got to number 19, which I'm surprised about. That's Wood by Alison yeah, Chains. Yeah, I don't remember getting that high. It's top 20 in the UK charts. Couldn't have told you that. No, I'm, I'm not sure I remember. No, I don't yeah. think I remember it getting that big. Fucking love that song. Oh, though. classic, Jesus classic, Christ. classic. Yeah, that came out in uh, January of this year. Uh, this one came out, only got to number 32. Well, I'm sure you remember it. I do remember this. That's a fucking great riff. Ah, oh, there we go, yeah. PJ Harvey. Nope. No, fucking Daisy. What am I on about? It's Daisy Chainsaw. Nope. No. No, it's fucking Belly. Feed the Tree. What the fuck's wrong with me? Belly. Feed the Tree. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and no, I remember that coming Sorry, out. I was fucking having a brain fart then. Brain farts. I remember really enjoying that. It's a, it's a good tune. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. really start chopping. Which brain fart cat. Got to number 20. <laughs> and this one, when we, we mentioned it already, and they say their name immediately. But yeah, this got into the charts number 22. Naughty by Nature. This is 1993. Uh, what the... No, this is Hip Hop Parade. Hip Hop Parade, exactly. The, the big kind of short hit that they had over here. Uh, I love this tune. I see, I think it's okay, but it. I think it, it. Right, and this is coming from someone who likes OPP. I think Hip Hop Parade is too much of a fucking nursery rhyme. Hip Hop Parade. Oh, I don't yeah, like that. I mean, I, I, I don't love the chorus, man, but fucking Tretch is just so fucking good on that. Right. Can you up my money when you couldn't come one day? Hey, uh, fucking. I'm licking on your darling in every single way. Hey. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it is. It is absolutely good. I, it, maybe it's the same for me. The chorus, I'm like, that's the bit I can't be arsed with. Shoulder. Uh, so, yeah, that got to number. 22, which is decent. Again, that's, that's fair. I have a feeling it might have even charted, like, or been released, rather, the year before, but it's finally got into the the upper reaches. It's one of those ones. Well, because it was a fucking massive hit in the States. Exactly. Um, and, like, like, it was really difficult to make hip-hop singles fly in the UK at that time. That's, again, yeah. I've said this before. People think that... Uh, you know, underground hip-hop was happening in the UK at the same time. It wasn't. You really had to find that shit. It wasn't in yeah. the charts. It wasn't anywhere. If you can find a news agent that stocks hip-hop connection, wicked. You grab that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just had to fucking find, like, through liner notes and all that shit. And, yeah. that's, and it was one of the things I liked most about it. Right, sure. The feeling of accomplishment when you got something. Exactly. And, and you know what? From time to time, still to this day, I'll suddenly remember a hip-hop album that I wanted to hear and never got to and check and see if it's on Spotify and right. get to listen to it for the first time in fucking 30 years. That's nice. That is nice. Yeah, it is yeah. nice. Uh, right, so yeah, that's number 22. Uh, number 30, uh, Sugar released If I Can't Change Your Mind, which obviously we did that full special on before. Indeed. Um, one that, uh, this was everywhere at the time, got to number 24. I thought it was higher. It only got to number 24. I think it's possible it got re-released and went higher. You can Remember this? I mean, you, you will remember it. Does it uh, ring bells yet? 
It sounds like D-Ream. It is D-Ream. It is. It is. Yeah, this, was, yeah, this, was a num- this was a number one. I'm sure it was. Right, well, maybe it was re-released uh, and it got to number one because it only got to, like I say, 24 at this point. So it might have been that it came out, they got a little bit of uh, buzz, and then the record company put it out properly later. Don't know. I, I, I can't remember. I feel like this was number one in like 1990 or something I don't know oh no no it definitely wasn't 93 sounds right to me for it to be oh maybe yeah. I can't remember it's, my brain's fucked but, um, number 65 uh, God Machine released Home which is a mm-hmm. wonderful tune absolutely brilliant tune uh, and then the last one that I've got on here you might recognise it you won't like it but you might recognise it it got to number 44 only One of their very catchy, catchy singles. Was it like Lemonheads or something? It is Lemonheads, exactly. It's Lemonheads, it's Confetti, which was um, Confetti and My Drug Buddy, double A on that again. Um, and so if you think of you know the amount of US college rock, that sort of thing you got in there, you got Lemonheads, Sugar, Dinosaur Jr., Belly, and then you've also mm-hmm. got Alice in Chains and Faith No More, you know, for that bit more kind of rockier side of things. That's some good shit going on. That's a real swell in that, I reckon. Absolutely. That's kind of giving you an idea of what's kind of, uh, yeah, the, like the, the amount of stuff that is coming out of the States at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much of it. And then, yeah, general pop. The, the top 10 is pretty shit, let's face it. The top 10 is nothing. But again, it's January. It's odds and sods. It's tail ends and people putting stuff out into a void. Uh, but, exactly. Yeah, it's it's an okay time. That first month of the year, eh, okay, fine. I'll take it. It's not classic by any, any stretch of the imagination, but... It could be a lot worse. Yeah, I do. It'll do. Yeah, I'll deal do. with it. Fine. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the final furlong of yeah, uh, let's finish of, this shit. Uh, of this jam marathon. Right. So we we'll crack on now with track number nine. Uh huh. This one is called "The Color of Love." Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've just written, oh no, at the start of this. This is not what I want. Yeah, I mean... Oh, no. Oh, just listen to what he's trying to do here. I mean... Oh, no. I can't, uh, I hate to break it to you. Don't do this to me, Dave. But look, if you can get past the terrible white saviour lyrics, yeah, I actually think there's a half decent song here. Oh no, um, yeah, I, I do. I can't think believe you've said this. I think, I know, I do. I think this is like it's a fit, you know, it's a kind of heavy blues ballad with some kind of fun little strings in it. I kind of. <laughs> The, the vocal delivery's got a bit of the. Fu- it's kind of got a bit of a kind of Rod Stewart esque kind of stereophonics. Yeah, I mean, I can't <laughs> argue. With, there is a look. This isn't a perfect song, but it's got some personality of its own. And this is, I would say, probably my favourite one on the album. You've lost your shit, mate. What are you doing? 
This is awful. This I, is I like dreadful. This one. I, I quite like that. You know, I, it, it's a fucking ha- <laughs> like, it's a ham-fisted attempt at the subject matter. Oh yeah. You know, in much of the way we didn't look to Phil Collins for apartheid, right. and not looking for the little angels to solve race. Uh-huh. But I think this is quite a good song. I'd listen to this. Oh my god, I'm oh, little horn stunned. Absolutely stunned. I think this is, I think this is dog right. shit. I think it's the worst thing. I mean, fair enough. Some of, some of that is uh, because of the lyrics, because they are that bad. Um, this is it's, it's called The Colour of Love, and it is an incredibly po-faced I mean, song. They're not the worst lyrics he's written, though. They're, they're oh, not. They're, they're, they're by pretty the close if they're not. Album, they're not bad. Oh, really? Really? No. The Colour of Love isn't black or white, but it's coloured your judgement of what's wrong or right. Beneath her black skin, she runs red with blood, and I'd give her my soul if only I could, because love's an emotion that transcends all colour and creed. I mean, look, it's oh. a bit on the nose and it's a bit ham-fisted, but I, I've heard worse lyrics written on that on that subject. It's plaintive, and he's saying, you know, skin colour doesn't matter, and you're rejecting this woman, and I fucking, I just wish that I was in a position... To, to have this I, I think it's not a bad sentiment in the song as I say oh dude I'm, I can't argue racism is bad yeah we all agree but fucking hell mate in your suburbs you burn you're content with your fate stuck behind your green hedges and whitewashed black hate again it's like a little stab at fucking middle England yeah. it's it's not that bad a lyric really oh, it's I not it's, it's awful it's, it's, it's well you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I fucking, I, I like to hate on this band as oh. next as the fucking as the next person. Indeed. But I, I, I can only call them as I see them. And this one, I went, I'm all right with this one. Fuck I think this me. is, but it's it sound, it, you know, it doesn't sound like every other fucking band. It sounds like it sounds like something they've come up with on their own. Oh, you see, I don't, I wouldn't agree with that because it reminded me of something else, and I couldn't place it. It reminded me of one of those standard rock ballads but I couldn't think which one exactly it was but maybe it just sounds to me like all of them because I'm not I, w- I was never ensconced in it at the time uh, yeah fair enough I'm I mean, stunned I, like I say I, I I went into this one right yeah. and I kind of had a little scan of the lyrics of it beforehand because mm. I saw it was called and went I bet this sounds bad mm. and I looked at it and I went oh, I fucking don't want to hear this and I was I was fired up to hate that song and I didn't I and see. I would be lying to you for call points if I fucking agreed with you. No, I, no, I absolutely. It was all right. I, I'm just really surprised. You know, if you'd asked me beforehand, do you think Dave will like this? I would have said definite no. Put money on it, definite no. Uh, you know, and something about the vocal melody, it's just, oh. it, it's all right. I think it's, uh, I think it's my, like I say, it's my, it is my favourite one on this record. I think. Good God, good God, I find it so. Dr- I think it's like stagnant. These uh, kind of strings over the top to to paper over the fact that it's so dull. Blimey! I, I thought they were nice. I mean, I, look, I am on record as I am a sucker for a, a a stabby string, right? Yeah. You can you can make nearly anything better with a stabby string. Okay. okay. I'm a basic bitch when it comes to them, you know. Right. I, you know, I fucking turn that elbow song up when it comes on the radio. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Fucking, you know, I I do that shit. But I, yeah. I've, anyway, I've, 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 I feel like I'm about to start apologising for liking it. <laughs> no, no, it. no, don't do that. I, I just, I'm taken aback. Really am. I'm surprised. But good. Let's do track ten. I was not wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes, you were. Mm. 
Okay, so this, right. this is like power metal going for gold. Because, oh, th- again, this really reminded me of something I couldn't play. So maybe it is the going for gold thing. Here we go, then here we go. And it's Delilah. Uh, I've said the exact same thing. This is ripping off Delilah. You know, yeah. it, you know, both in the, the phrasing of it all and that line. You know, I saw the light on the night as I passed by her window for Delilah. Or I saw the look in her eyes as I passed by the stair for this one. It's the same thing. Yeah. This is weird. I mean, maybe this is homage. Maybe. And, and now it turns into Elton John. It just sounds like Elton John. Oh, it does? Yeah. Yeah. How weird. Oh, God, this really does. Now you said that. Mm-hmm. And then this solo so just sounds weird. like an 80s cartoon. It's a really bizarre mixture of styles. You know, I've said there's like a solo that sounds like, oh, like Europe almost, you know, Final yeah. Countdown sort of thing. There's a saxophone solo uh, at some point. Sounds like straight out of 1987. Um, there's this kind of menacing intro, and then it flips and goes completely major for the outro. It's all over the place. Yeah. Oh, give a scream. Yeah, I mean, so we've got a big melting pot of stuff. Yeah. Is it, you know, good like New York or bad like shit in a bucket? <laughs> I don't know what this is. I mean, it's bad, isn't it? This is bad. Well, I think, yeah, I think this is terrible. I think this is really... I think, I think it's such a strange... Uh, it's such, it doesn't sound like the band Little Angels like I expect them to sound. Like, okay, fair enough. You, you, we've already done that they love their horns, so you've got this little horn section. But to have a full-on sax solo... I don't know. On this, this guitar solo is just bizarre. It's all over the place. So now. I do like this guitar solo, I can't lie. It's alright. It's okay. But it doesn't sound like it fits in with the rest of the... No, I don't know. I, I, oh, man, no, this, this is a proper, like, fucking Frankenstein's asshole of a song. Oh, there's a lovely picture. Yeah. Um, you know, and I must admit, by this point, every time I was listening through it, this is track number 10, I was going, oh, is this over yet? Can I, can I stop oh, yeah, no, yet? I was, I, I was, I was, hmm. I was definitely there. Yeah. I was definitely there. So I do want to just dig back into that a second, though. Do you reckon, like, oh. so Frankenstein's ass, right? Mm. Do you reckon he got just one ring piece from one person or, like, five different huh. bits and form, form it with different grape nuts? I mean, t- to be honest, I think you'd have to take the entire kind of section mid-thigh to, to belly button from one one body, I would have thought. You w- you wouldn't want to be doing individual cheeks and uh, balloon knot. It wouldn't work, I don't think. It just depends how bespoke you want to get, really, doesn't it? Well, true. And I suppose if you also, if you think that, uh, you know, he actually got the the brain that was abnormal, if you accidentally got an arse that had uh, massive hemorrhoids... My arse. You're setting that monster off on the worst path. He's already going to be angry. You'd have to be very careful. Yeah, you don't want it to be uncomfortable. No, God. No. I'm glad we cleared that up. Cool. Right, so let's do the next song, shall we? Yes, please. Track number 11. Sail Away. Okay, so they're trying to write more than words again. Yeah, they exactly are. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously this one's been written for lighters, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, it's also been written as track 11 on an album. It's like, just put this somewhere at the end. 
It's basically it's a song about a dickhead with a boat and a poor attitude towards women. Yeah, exactly. A woman in every port leaves them in tears because they fall in love, but he's just a shagger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awful. This is insipid, dreadful shit. Oh yeah, this is this is as as generic as it comes. I mean, there's a sad harmonica. Mm. There's there's sad emotions. You know, this isn't a, a thing to be sad about. It's just a fucking it's just a fucking man child banging women and riding a boat. Do you know what I mean? That's all it is. It's not. Yeah. Where's the sadness? To be fair to them, they are saying that he's a dick. They're not, you know, giving a. They're not being a proponent of that lifestyle. Um, no. But I, I don't understand why you'd write a song about it, and I especially don't understand why you'd release this as your fourth single. This was the last single released. Well, I mean, rock ballads were doing money at the I time, guess. weren't they? That's why you do it. Um, and it's got those weird sound effects right at the end of this, like the sea and the seagulls. They've gone full on for this. Yeah, hang on, you say right at the end, right? Yeah. It's not right at the end. It's from this oh, is a right, three yeah. minute thirty song. It's from three minutes thirty. It's just yeah. a fucking minute of ambient sailing noise and fucking guitar chords. Yeah, bullshit. It is awful. No, this is a low point for me. This one just. They shouldn't have put this on the album, if you ask me. I mean, I mean, they shouldn't have put out this album. Well, there's, there's also but, that. But no, yeah, I mean, no. This is this is a bad song. Now let, let's uh, get rid of this. Let's do track twelve. Right. So, so this is track twelve. Uh, it's called "Tired of Waiting for You." It is, of course, a cover. Indeed. And that big long outro from the previous song that we've we've talked about. Yeah fades into this it's like a big long guitar noodle at the end of the last one and it yep. takes 50 seconds of this one this swell to mm-hmm. get into the main business of it and like you said it's a, it's a cover of the kinks tired of waiting for you yeah it's ostensibly the last song on the album so this is the closer mm-hmm. and it's just a pretty straightforward cover version of a good song but well well, yeah, but it's, it, it also fucking, like, rocks all of the nuance and fucking... Oh, definitely. Like, things... The, 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 all the things that make the, the kink song fucking great, it just irons over with guitars and fucking leather jackets. It's rubbish. Oh. It, it is just a fucking straight up, like, oh, why don't, why don't we make this song more this style? It's like, well, because it was fine as it was, and your style shit. Yeah, no, yeah, but they're, yeah, exactly. They're not doing anything interesting with it. They're just playing it like if it was one of their own songs, treating it like that. Yeah. Which is not what anybody would want. But this is the thing, it's like, everyone was doing it at that point. You know, if you're going to listen to to this song just put the kink song on and say because I mean one of the most notable things about the kink song is it's complete lack of fucking horns <laughs> yeah <laughs> one thing to be grateful for yeah, no, yeah. I've got, I, I, I have nothing to say about this song it's it's a it's a bad cover of a good song it, precisely it is it's they've rocked it up they've made it a bit more beefier they've taken the like you said the nuance out of it it's entirely unnecessary if they were going to do it, I think this should have just been a B-side at some point. It didn't need, didn't need to be on the album. Uh, I do bet that this was absolute manna from heaven for a load of rock clubs in 1993, though, because they loved that shit back then. Yeah, they fucking did, man. Yeah. It's you know, it's mate. What it is is it's it's cultural vandalism, is what it is. It's mm. like artexing Stonehenge. Right there, you are. Yeah, yeah. And we just in terms of you know the other bands that were doing it, you're 
kind of in the realm of it wasn't till the year after but whenever gun did word up it's along those lines at least that was a bit funny because it. it was it was a totally different genre that they were doing and therefore it was a little bit ironic um but do you remember as well skin if we're just looking at you know british rock bands uh, skin yep. uh, released mana mana the muppets thing as a b-side yep there was a that's mm-hmm. your your rock club hit thunder did give me some loving it turns out I, I, yep. I, I kind of assumed that the choir boys must have done so I looked it up and they did Brother Louie which I don't remember but yeah, it was in that pantheon of turgid straight laced bang your head to this rock version of a classic song you know it would be replicated some years later with the uh, the new metal and oh. pop, uh, pop punk covers of things at least they were a bit of fun though this I, I just think they actually thought they were doing a good job with these ones a lot of them Maybe not Mana Mana, fair enough, but I bet Little Angels thought we are fucking killing this version. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, th- this album has worn me out, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, it's no, like totally. really, I, I, it's worn me down. I've listened to this album like five times this week, mm-hmm. and like, I, I don't recall the last time doing this podcast that I was so like, oh, fuck, have I got to listen to this again? And I've, I've really yeah. had to force myself to listen to this record. I mean, the, the, there is a 13th track on this record. Uh-huh. It's STW Reprise. Uh-huh. Do, do we want to play that again? I don't think we, no, need, we don't to. need to. Do we the same? We don't need to. It's a reprise of that little interlude instrumental. Yeah, we get we get 22 seconds yeah. of it this time around. Of, um, and again, it's just Bruce Dickinson, not that one, wanking away mm-hmm. and finishes it off. That's it. Done. Yeah. Game over. I don't understand why they needed to do it. It seems, you know, no, it seems unnecessary. I mean, I think it, I think it's probably Bruce Dickinson, not that one, just uh, insisted that he was allowed to do this because he does seem like a real guitar geek. You read interviews with him, and he's just talking about pedals and effects and guitars and strings. That's what he does, and he formed BIM. He's, he's that sort of musician. So I suspect he just went, yeah, yeah. mate, just I mean, give, yeah. give me a chance. Let me do what I want. Yeah, whatever. And you know, he's a great guitarist, obviously. And I'm not, not you know, yeah, not, sure. not slagging off his ability to play the guitar. I just don't like the compositions that they write, particularly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, no real secret for me where I'm at with this album. I, I did not enjoy this album. No, nah, nah. it was crap. All. It was crap. There were two songs on this record uh, that I kind of liked. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, we were very different on them. Oh, no. We were, yeah. Oh, we're going to struggle, man. Shit. I mean, like, literally, the only the only songs that I like on this are Splendid Isolation mm-hmm. and uh, The Colour of Love. Right. You didn't like either of them. I didn't like did either of them. No, my, the two that I liked, you know, liked were The Way That I Live and Too Much Too Young, the first two, which are very, very different types of songs. I went for the kind of upbeat ones. You went for the slower yeah. ones. Right. Oh, okay. Right, so for a start, we're only putting one onto our ongoing playlist, yeah? Well, I mean, we are, but, I mean... We're going to have uh, to flip a coin. If we can't... It- if we if uh, if we can't agree on one, we have to do two. I think. No, that can't be the rule. We no, we've done this before where we just flipped a coin. We did on the farm one. We just flipped a coin, and I ended up losing, but you got your one on. We cannot justify putting two songs onto this fucking playlist. We certainly can't. We certainly can't. Okay. Okay. Right. So tell you what we're gonna do. Yeah. This is this is what we'll do. Okay. Yeah. Is we're gonna go into that album. We're gonna put random on. Uh-huh. We're gonna hit play. And skip forward until the first, and whichever track comes on first, that's the one we go with. So, okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna press play on one of the tracks. Okay, so womankind, and then I'm gonna skip next. 
And we've got soap box. Uh-huh. Gonna skip next. Oh, the tension. The tension. Nope, no. It's STW. No. Nope. I'm gonna skip nope. again. Okay. Ah! And it's the way I live. There, there we, we go. go. That's, Choice that's, made. That's the... Fine. There you go. You, you, you win this one, my friend. Ugh. Well, it's, it's I mean, a, like, a Pyrrhic uh, victory, I feel. I mean, it really fucking is, mate. Right, well, at least we never have to listen to it again. <laughs> no, fuck that. no. I mean, but what I, what I am worried about is all of the recommendations that my Spotify is going to give oh, me. Oh, lovely. Now. Yeah, you're going to get mm. all that kind of early 90s British rock into your daily playlists. Can't fucking wait. Wicked. Damn read network. Okay, guys, thank you for joining us as ever. I hope you have enjoyed this a lot more than we enjoyed <laughs> listening to that fucking record. Um, we will be back. Um, I, I mean, our aim is fortnightly, yeah, but we'll give it a go. It, it could, it could slip. I don't, I don't know. Life is busy, basically. Um, but we will do our best to keep as regular a schedule as we possibly can. As always, keep in touch with the socials. Let us know how you feel. Uh, and if uh, for any reason you do feel the need to. to give us some money uh then you can do it uh, via our paypal link indeed which krista might know and i because i don't the link is on our website which is pclpodcast.com you can go there and find links to all the various bits and bobs right uh guys thank you for joining us we will see you next time with east 17 Absolutely. for now we'll see you later cheers guys bye thank you for checking out this episode of pop collaborate and listen it was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCL Music Podcast at gmail.com.